0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power,
0: power. G'day, everybody. Maca nineteen here, and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast. As always, we are live on Port Fan Radio, and joined once again by Fishing Rick. He's
1: back. Woo! Yeah, baby, mate.
0: Back. Welcome that back. The, that's the best Ric Flair I can do. <laughs> can you go back overseas? Why's that? Well, we were looking pretty good while you were gone and now you've come back and we look horrendous. What are you saying? You're blaming me. I am. Absolutely. I look, we we all have forget to Forget Ken Hinckley, forget Michael Voss, Travis Boat, it's your fault, mate. I'll take it. I'll take the hit.
1: Yeah. Alright, well if you if you port supporters are willing to um collect the money bag around and uh, fund my trip overseas again, I'm more than happy. <laughs> I will gladly put $2 towards that course. Um, but I'm not a liar. I saw some people on Bigfoot, one person, I can't remember the name on Big Footy that said that every time they go to an away pork game, they get thumped. So it's not that just me. That would be me. <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not just me. I think <laughs> I've seen one win in about oh,
0: eight or nine years now, I think, away from home, so...
1: Uh, and it's not good because I was at with you with the Hawthorne preliminary final, and not, mm. it's actually it's not a good sight seeing a grown man cry. You know, <laughs> I, I actually felt very very sorry for for you and Ben that night.
0: Yeah. Well, um, look, it, it was uh, emotional times. <laughs> and and uh, as we've discovered, too. that was our one opportunity, I think, for uh, for glory,
1: and uh, and we didn't get it. It was reason to be emotional. Don't start me. How's my um, How's my thread? I haven't po- I haven't initiated a thread on Big Footy for ages, and uh, so I thought I'd put up a rant. And geez, it's uh, going through the roof. I heard, I
0: heard. It has, it has, it has. I should rant more often. Everyone wants to hear about Rick.
1: Well, it's understandable. There's yeah. uh, a lot going on in the life of Rick. So I'll be down at Woodville South Footy Club tomorrow night, and Jacko will be down there if you. You want right. to get a uh, bit of pizza or say day to Jacko where New Vision and Jackson are, are doing a, a bit of a night, play a night at uh, Woody South, so uh, come on down.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Portia has written in on the Spreaker Forum. I want to hear everyone tonight on the Spreaker Forum. Porsche has said, uh, it's not all about you, Rick. Get so out probably, of here, Portia.
1: What else is it about if it's not all about me? What else is there to talk about? We don't want to talk about Port, surely. is just
0: upset that we're, that she's not reviewing this game, I think. <laughs> she can fill in for <laughs> us. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight. It should be uh, fantastic. should be good. Well, look, let's get into it and do our sweet and sour. One thing we found sweet and probably about 100 things we found sour about Port Adelaide
1: on the weekend. Rick, I know you watched the game intently. What yes. was your sweet, mate? Uh, my my sweet is that I am just grateful that I have a football club that I can support in a national competition. You know because there's another eight SA NFL sides that would would love to be in our position but are not and they're in the SA NFL and our club was selected to be the only club put into a national competition and so I'm forever proud and grateful of that opportunity.
0: That's a good suite. That is a very good suite, very broad, but uh, well on point. I think.
1: No dramas. We should always remember that. We should. We should. We should. When, when we, we think themselves. our club is shit and <clears throat> we're in <laughs> a dire mess, um, we still have that that we can hang our head on.
0: Yep. What oh, about yeah.
1: yours? Port Adelaide is forever,
0: mate. Yes. Go to towers. Um, what, what about My yours? suite is uh, the crack. The crack attack, Nathan Cracker, for the second week running. He's done an absolutely wonderful defensive job on a very good player. Um, Walters has averaged um, 18 touches and, and just under two goals a game so far in 2016, and Cracker kept him to, to uh, just four disposals in the first half, no scoring shots for the game, and pretty much no influence at all. And I thought it was another great individual effort by Cracker. And um, you know, after being fairly critical of him once he came into the side for his first sort of three or four games. Um, you know, he's really shown something a little bit different from what we saw last year. Um, and this defensive side of his game is um, an absolute godsend.
1: Yeah, I must admit, I wasn't sure if he would have that uh, shut-down one-on-one uh, defensive ability in him. And he, he's been fantastic, hasn't he? He was fantastic on Stringer last week, too. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we've ever seen this at AFL level from Cracker, even in his days at Gold
0: Coast and, and his prior Port Adelaide days before leaving the first time. So... Yeah, you know he's always been that sort of loose um, running defender, uh, and you know this uh, this form's
1: been absolutely wonderful. So good on him. Do you um, do you think he can uh, back it up next year? And do you think his disposals as good this year as what it was last year? Uh,
0: probably not. Probably not. I think last year he was just about faultless in terms of his disposal. This year is probably down, but it's down across the whole club as well, which uh, which is a uh, fairly amazing considering how bad it was uh, across the whole club last year as well. So, you know, he's certainly not on his own in in terms of his disposal efficiency being a bit down.
1: Yeah, yeah, but a good it's a good love. He's a he's a shining light with Darcy Burn Jones. Mm.
0: Um, Stockholm has written in and said that his suite was Schultz getting through the Maggies game unscathed. Uh, Definitely a big win there. Uh, He's also said uh, Rick's suite makes it obvious just how bad things are at the moment. And Portia has (laughs) said uh, Rick's like this week is a precursor to something awful. Much like, I'm not sexist, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're getting booted out of the AFL.
0: (laughs) Look, I'm really glad we've got a team in the AFL, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just stink. Yeah. So,
0: what's your sour this week, mate?
1: What's well, geez, plethora. I think um, disunity is my sour for this Mm. week. Uh, We, as a club, are probably at a at a tipping point. I feel. I think there's disunity amongst the players. I think there's disunity uh, between the players and the and the coaches. And there's rumours flying around. Um, and there's only one way that we can, uh, we can eliminate this and that's by playing as a team successfully. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going with disunity as my, uh, my sound. I'm going very broad and uh, philosophical this week. Very zen, mate.
0: I like it. Yeah. Uh, my sour, um... Well, I mean, really, where could you begin? Um, I mean, I could talk about the pathetic tackling, the missed goals, the poor form by our leaders once again. Um, But for me this week, it's the fact that we can't get up for the week before the bye. I don't Mm. know if it's the players that have one eye on the week off, um, Mm. had a chance to let loose a bit, get a bit nasty interstate or something, or whether the coaches take it a bit easy or whatnot, but we've lost three of the four pre-bye matches under Ken. And all the losses have been away, and the worst part, they were all against teams with absolutely horrendous records at the time. In 2013, we lost to the Dogs in uh, in Darwin, who were two seven at the time and sixteenth. Uh, we lost to Carlton last year, who were one nine and uh, and last. And this year, we've lost to Frio, who were two ten and sixteenth before this round. And to me, it's just not
1: acceptable to lose these games against this level of opposition. It's I love uh, I love that, get. I, I thought that was a great pickup that you've got the mm. stats before the bye. It's atrocious.
0: It's a tro- it's pathetic, and it's an absolute yeah. indictment on the coaching staff and their inability to get the team motivated, uh, the leadership group and their ability to get themselves and the team motivated, and the playing group as a whole for not turning up to these games. It's to, to be honest, it's pretty
1: pathetic. Is it unport Adelaide? I think it's very unport Adelaide. Are we starting to question what, well, is, what Port is Port Adelaide? Adelaide? That's right. <laughs> I guess that's what the is, question. What is Port Adelaide? Have we just moved so far away from our Port Adelaide roots that what is Port Adelaide anymore? Mm. It's, it's just not right. I mean, how can you lose
0: these games against poor opposition mm. in, in this sort of game before you've got the week off? I mean, it's just it's just not right. It's not right no. at all. And, Look, as a whole, I mean, we can go back even further and, and I think the stats are we've won one game and that was the Frio comeback in 2014 at home. Mm. Um, but the pre-Ken days, I think we were 0-3 in buys uh, since they came back as well. So 1-6. what one and six. Mm.
1: It's not good enough. So what have, what's been one of my mantras that I've been banging on about for the last two months, Macca? I've been... Well, you've been, been overseas on for the last two months, so... Yeah, but I've still been throwing it in on the forums and stuff. It was something to do with two, two in uh, nine, um, you yep. know, are we, are we becoming too accepting as a support, supporter base? You know, we get Tim Jennifer on here and he'll say, you know, fans were bloody rabid and would let you know when you lost and... Yeah, and I've seen more and more fans that seem to be more warm and caring and, and saying, oh, don't worry about it, we'll be, we'll be all right. But the facts of the matter are, as a club, we're, the chances are highly likely that we're going to play two final series in nine years. And is that acceptable to right. us, Port Adelaide supporters? Is that an acceptable return? Well, I guess there's two trains of thought. The first one is that we
0: are now in the AFL. It's not the SANFL anymore. Um, we don't have a zone that we can cherry pick all the best players from, um, who've grown up through the ranks and, and know all about Port Adelaide, know about its history from the age of you know nine or ten um, onwards and that sort of thing. So maybe our um, uh, our expectations need to change in terms of um, how regularly we can play finals, etc. Oh, <coughs> I mean, that well, that's one train of thought. The second is that you've you've just got to be more ruthless. And, and this is where the whole, do we sack Ken? Do we keep Ken? Do we, you know, does Boat need to go as captain? Do we keep... You know, like, There's so many questions going on at the moment. So many different trains of thought. I mean, it's, it's all getting a bit
1: uh, frustrating and a bit confusing. That's where it goes back to the destabilising, doesn't it? We're just... Yeah. Um, or dis, and disunity uh, in the footy club. I mean, I mean, I guess, is sacking Ken the answer? I mean, he did show in his first two years... Um, that he can get us to finals? Is it the lack of support that he's potentially got? Um, and sacking Ken and putting in a new coach, is that actually um, is that actually going to help us? Because, um, I mean, look, at the end of the day, a new coach comes in, new systems, new philosophy uh, and everything else, and, and that can be destabilising. I, I, I'm not sure sacking Ken is the answer, but I think Ken needs more yeah. support. <clears throat> Um, yeah, you know, and I think he needs to. I think he needs to be harsher on these players that are letting him down. He yeah. is he's he is being too too kind uh, and faithful for some players which aren't returning and justifying that love. Yeah,
0: Ryan Pillar has written in and said that's a cop out macker, and I do agree it is a cop out, and I don't believe that myself, but. Um... I don't know. I mean, after the game I wrote in the uh, I've Lost Faith in Ken Hinckley thread that I'm done. I'm signing out. I've Lost Faith in Ken. I don't. I, there's there's something going on there where he's lost the ability to motivate these players, motivate the leadership group to get the job done in these sorts of games. And I don't know. I think in the last couple of days when I've had uh, you know a lot of time to, to sit down and think logically about things, um, I, I really like Ken. I, I really, really like Ken. I'm going to be forever grateful for those first two years and how he turned the club around and it's just a real shame that we've fallen in this hole in the last two years and look we can come up with so many different excuses I mean the injury thing might be valid losing two players to suspension might be valid but in the end we've still got a lot of very very good very talented players out on the park who just are not living up to their potential at the moment
1: Yeah and I noticed in the and you've probably written it down already but in our podcast read Uh, someone mentioned Kane Corns talking about our, um, our list management and uh, the fat contracts that some players uh, have been on. And I think there is something in, you know, you need to be a little bit on edge. There has to be a little bit of skin in the game. Otherwise, uh, you know, comfortable in business or in sport. Uh, can lead to complacency, and and what do you need to strive for? So, yeah. I th- and I, I agree. I think we're we're in a bit of trouble come trade time because now there's some very overinflated prices on players that we're not going to get back.
0: Yeah, look, we've had a few um, different comments um, on the speaker forum as well. Craig Jones has written in and said, uh, in the first two years, Ken had Richardson and Walsh behind him. Who does he have now? Yeah. I think it might be fair, but I also think. People on our forum are maybe putting a bit too much emphasis on the um, on the amount of work that the senior assistants do. Um, it's, it's almost like people don't believe that it was Ken that was sort of running the ship in the first two uh, years. And, and how do you I don't, know that I don't do agree know? with. Well,
1: I don't agree with that at all. Well, modern management theory is now that the leader. Delegates the bulk of responsibility to the other managers and doesn't micromanage. So how do you know that Ken hasn't actually um, delegated a lot of his responsibility and power on the training track and potentially on match day, and, and that's maybe diluted his influence on the side?
0: I mean, it's possible. I don't it agree with possible. it, but I think it's possible. Yeah, um, Ryan Pillar has written in and said I'm done with the leadership group more than with Ken. Uh, Craig Jones has also said Hammer is also not dealing with the pressure of being vice-captain um, and Portia has written in and said uh, my concerns about Hinkley are pure strategic and for being a bit too trusting but motivation is on the players we know who the ones that we can't rely on are and a lot of them are the mm. same players as we're letting Primus down which I have to say is 100% correct
1: so who are they? Justin Westhoff, do we want to name names or what? I think I think we're entire we're supporters, right?
0: Yeah. Well, look, look, Westhoff, Westhoff turns we're up we're every four
1: weeks. Hartlett
0: turns up every four weeks. I mean, Brody yeah. sometimes does the same. I mean, they, these are the same sort of guys that have um, you know that have been these sort of inconsistent players for a very very long time.
1: I think we can name names without being disrespectful, and yeah. uh, and I think maybe that's. Um, part of the problem is there's been too much kumbaya going on with these players and <laughs> believing believe their own hype and the camaraderie and the tight-knit group that they are but um, something's got to give I mean if this was a business what would happen you know would this would this continue you'd be making the changes. business would, you'd be making changes and all the business would go and eventually would go broke um, yeah. so it's the same thing I mean yeah, and it's disappointing because all three of those players who I agree with are fantastic bloody players and I guess that's what makes it frustrating because they can do a lot more. Mm. Yeah, and we know they can do a lot more. Justin Westhoff is a gun and should be influencing the game every week. What do he have he had one kick to half time, is that right? Yep. Is that good enough? No. No, it's not. No. This is a guy that's I'm
0: pretty sure he's in our leadership group. Who's yeah. what? Twenty nine years old, a senior player,
1: closing in on two hundred games. Yep, shouldn't be acceptable. It shouldn't be acceptable. And I guess that's where. And look, I thought Finbar's comment on big footy was fantastic the other day when you know he rightfully reminded everyone that these guys are getting paid very very well um, to go and play a game that they love. And uh, and to make, and try and make people's time that some of some people are in crappy jobs working working their guts out and then spending their good hard earned money to go and support these guys on the weekend and uh, and are getting you know lacklustre performances and you know I guess uh, there's a bit of an ivory tower there going on sometimes and uh, mm. we uh, I think yeah we're entitled to be asking these hard questions and I, I wonder what the I wonder what the club's doing. You know, what's the board? wonder what the board's thinking. What's KT thinking? There's, um, it's pretty silent at the moment. I wonder if the supporters actually want some more noise.
0: I guess the baffling thing is that like, pretty much the entire leadership group has been down on form this year. The entire midfield has stagnated the last two years. Um, we haven't seen a single sort of midfielder come on and, and be consistent in that time. Um, mm. it's pretty disappointing. From where we were in 2014, it's disappointing that we've regressed as a playing group, as a leadership group, and probably as a coaching group as well in that time.
1: Yep, and that's something I brought up on Thursday with Portia. Um, you know, if we pull it back two years ago, um, you know, the way we were, our trajectory was going, we should not have been plummeting this far behind, say, a team like the Bulldogs. Mm. Right? We, we should have been... Uh, maybe our our improvement wouldn't be as vast as the Bulldogs because they had a lot a lot further to go. But uh, we were still on an upward curve with a with a young team uh, in a young cycle, and uh, and yeah, we've just plummeted backwards. And I guess that's why uh, a few people start putting the heat on Michael Voss because there's the that's probably the common differentiator, especially with our midfield. Is you know we've lost Phil Walsh and the AFL lost Phil Walsh, sadly and it uh, was replaced by Michael Voss, and, uh, and the performances uh, have accordingly uh, diminished.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well,
1: look, we've, um, we've
0: got some really, really good questions this week from Facebook and Big Footy, so we might as well get cracking on them because I've pretty sure. much listed all of them here because they're that good. Awesome. Uh, the first one's from Barbie on Facebook who is, um, who's written in and asked, um, she wants us to discuss why some players can't work with some coaches. And what can be done to improve that?
1: Well, I guess personality clashes can occur. And I would also suggest that perhaps there's a lack of management skills um, on these coaches, if this is the case, because a good manager uh, will be a good leader and they should be able to overcome personality clashes um, and put those sort of judgments aside and facilitate the best to come out of people. Um, now, if that's true and it, it can't occur, well, then I would be looking at the management skills of the of the, the leaders and the coaches. Yeah. I Your think
0: thoughts? it's... A, well, as I said a moment ago, I think it's a big concern that literally every midfielder we've got has uh, has either stagnated or regressed under Voss. I think that's a massive concern.
1: Well, would you say that Ollie Wines is half the player that he was two years ago? No, I, I, would, I would say he's
0: probably at the same level. Um, I think the issue with Wines, um, in isolation, is probably two years ago he he was, you know, what our fourth or fifth best midfielder. Now he's probably on form our first or second, and he doesn't have that support around him of an all Australian level Robbie Gray, an all Australian level Travis Boak, um, a Brad Ebert who was in his best season at the time, Hamish Harlett who was in his best season at the time. He doesn't have those players anymore. All those four players that I've just mentioned are, are struggling. Um, so I, I don't think he's gotten worse. I think he's just probably stayed at the same level. Mm-hmm. And we've seen other players get worse around him.
1: I'll be interested to hear what uh, what everyone listening in thinks. Is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it both? Um, but I think it's a very good question.
0: It is a very good question. And I guess my other query on that is just how much influence should... An assistant coach have on that sort of like, should the players be, you know, mature enough to put aside these sorts of differences if there are differences there?
1: Well, they should, but sometimes I mean we've all been there. If you're uh, if you're in the workplace and you really are working with someone that you just don't like, it it can be very very difficult to move past that and. I guess footy players are young in maturity when they're in the system, most of them. So I guess maturity-wise, it can be a lot harder for for them probably to be able to react like that. And that's where I go back to really we need to look at what sort of management training are these coaches actually having. Um, And, I mean, as we can see, like with Nathan Buckley, perfect example, just because you're a champion player doesn't mean um, you're a champion coach. Sometimes you just can't artic- yourself, articulate yourself properly, properly. And I think that, as I struggle to spit out, articulate properly. Um, but And, I mean, I think that's where the question mark on Michael Voss uh, comes into question because, you know, his management skills at Brisbane weren't that great. And I guess that's where I guess you get that correlation of, you know, is it Michael Voss that's having a negative influence on the side? It might not be, but, you know, that's one of the questions yeah. you ask. Mm.
0: Stockholm yeah. has written in and said, um, in contrast to that, macro a good coach inspires his players to put those differences aside. Ken clearly is not able to do this. And yeah. Craig Jones has also had to bring back Choco. So I don't know what to think.
1: I'd bring I'd bring back John <laughs> Cale before I bring back Choco. <laughs> That's it. Look, long hey, um, live,
0: long live, PAFC has written in uh, probably the best question of the of the evening, one which should um, give us plenty of debate. Um, what effect will Brexit have on investment opportunities in the Asia Pacific region? What? Sorry. What effect will Brexit have on investment opportunities in the Asia Pacific region? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really <laughs> care. It's
1: eight. It's eight thirty on a. Uh, it's eight thirty on a Monday night. What are you asking me that shit for? Get your talk finance footy.
0: on. Get your finance on, Rick.
1: No, let's talk footy. You don't want to talk. You don't want to talk finance, do you? Look, it's going to be a volatile time. I think. Uh,
0: yeah. Good if you're into a uh, forex, but uh, less so if, if you're into the share market. I think. Exactly. That's it. Andre has written in and said, uh, "Is it all Rick's fault for coming back to Australia?" I think. Uh, yeah, we'll, we've already we been determined that. that before. That's uh, that's I'll, a definite
1: yes. And I'm happy to take the scapegoat. Line and take the blame.
0: That's it. Uh, he's also said a line in the sand, was spewing, or something else. What's your
1: favourite all-talk, no-action
0: cliché that we roll out?
1: Oh, jeez. Well, I haven't really... I really haven't heard that many clichés in the last couple of weeks. Have you? Mm.
0: Uh, probably yeah. not so much. For me, I love Treader's old, we spewing. I think that's, uh, that's an all-time <laughs> classic. Well, we
1: haven't had the line in the sand that often, have
0: we? No, we haven't. No, that, that was more Dom's domain, I
1: think. Yeah, yeah, he, he drew lots of lines. Mm. Could have played hopscotch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I um, I guess I'm, I'm going to go down to... Um, I, and that was one of my rant items, is the, the psychology of the players. I heard Jarman Impity on Saturday say, you know, if we do this, I, I hope we can get a win... And I can't remember who the other player was, but they, you know they they said hopefully we'll get a win. I actually just don't believe that the players believe in themselves that they can win a game. Hmm. Um, the the words um, you know try and hope and maybe are not reassuring. And you know if you came to me and said, "Oh, you know, Rick, can you do my tax?" Oh, I'll give it a go. Pray, I'll you know I'll try see what I can do for you. you know, I mean that doesn't that's not reassuring. Uh, for you as a consumer in a business, and it's it's not reassuring for us as a supporter uh, to think that our our players don't really have the confidence in themselves going into a game. There's
0: there's definitely a huge change in the confidence level um, and the way that they're speaking. I mean, going back to 2014, it was all nah, we're going to win this game. It's all you know, Port LA footy and high confidence stuff. And this year, it's all you know, yeah, maybe, oh, yeah, we're going to go out and try and you know, we should win, you know, that sort of stuff. But Uh, I do agree with that. So Elaine's written in and said, can we get someone on at some stage to talk about the virtual reality training that was supposedly going to give us an edge? Doesn't seem to be working. That's a a fair comment.
1: (laughs) Do you know what I visualise? I visualise with the virtual reality training like images of um, uh, Ty Vickery going up for a mark 80 metres behind (laughs) the play and then players uh, falling over. (laughs) Mm. I
0: think they're just uh, playing Doom 3D or something. That's all they're doing on the virtual reality I think at this point, but... Yeah. Um, yes. Next question is um, again from Andre. Unless there's no expectations, like in 2013 and 14, after years of crap, our playing group has repeatedly failed when games and seasons are on the line. What's required to get over a deep seated issue that we've spent almost a decade trying to shake for no return?
1: Hmm. Do you want
0: to go I th- I Yeah, I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. I think it's just all about time and, and the knowledge that one day things are going to change. I mean, how long did it take, um, for example, Central Districts to win a final? Um, and then they went on that huge winning run. How long did the Collie go for? Then they won premierships. Melbourne yeah, this, have essentially never recovered from sacking Norm Smith.
1: Um, but this is, uh, this is against our culture. Well, it is. I mean, well. We're right against our culture, I guess. We're experiencing
0: something now that we've never really experienced as a football club before. No. So it's really hard to answer with any sort of. um,
1: I guess, do you go through the department? With any sort of confidence behind it, really. All right, let's put it this way. If you're assessing the board, are you satisfied with the board's performance or would you like to roll them over?
0: Oh, I think off field does... was, was certainly going well. I think on field, I think some uh, mistakes have been made in terms of length of contracts and all that sort of stuff. I think there's is that, an issue there. but is
1: that a board? Is that a board decision? Does the board determine player contracts, or does the board the board uh, sign off on it on all the player contracts? Yep. Yeah,
0: I believe I believe that's correct. Yeah, I believe the board has to sign off on the contracts.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So, um, I guess so. Then, what are we? You know, are we happy with the board? Then, I mean, uh, is the board or are the board negligent in some capacity um, in relation to the club? Off-field's great, but does it really matter? Because mm-hmm. eventually, if we keep up this sort of performance, um, the off-field is going to spiral again back out of control. Because I guess the the David Kosh push push there rah rah let's be great. Won't last so long before on-field performances will just diminish our confidence in the in the club and go okay? Well, this ain't working. Yeah. So I mean,
0: again, I mean, Melbourne haven't really recovered from sacking Norm Smith. I mean, it, it took them 22 years before making the finals after that. Um, it took Geelong, yeah, how many decades before 2007 and winning a premiership? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the issues they had to go through, and even with that playing group, I mean, they went through a four where they they. You know, Fell just short in a prelim against Brisbane. They obviously had that famous semi-final when they were four or five goals up at three-quarter time against Sydney and, and managed to lose. And in 2006, they were an absolute disaster. I mean, it, it took a lot of pain for Geelong before the glories of 07, 09 and 11. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to see where you can turn it around in this day and age of the draft and equalisation and... Yeah, that's why having opportunities like 2014 um, for us are so important because sometimes all you've got to do is win a premiership and then the heavens open. But it's actually getting to that point which is the hard part. Is that
1: Alfie's fault? Alfie's fault? Yeah. The boot stutter? Yeah. Do we need a new boot stutter? Do we need to clean out the boot stuttering department? Yeah. And I'm only joking for all those Alfie fans. I mean, he's a, ser- a great servant of the club. But I guess you just need to go through I mean, the question marks that I've got is, um, you know, over this nine-year period, you know, and even if you want to pull me up and go 10 years, we've made three finals and a grand final, or whatever. Uh, that was a disaster anyway. Um, but, you know... Where, where really is our development at? I think we need to go back and look at our recruiting, our scouts. Yeah. We need to look at our development. Uh, we look. We need to look at our you know, our training and systemisation and processes and our structures because uh, we're way off the top and we've been way off the top for so long. I mean, I think it's embarrassing that we're the bunnies now for the last 10 years of, of Sydney and, and even the Bulldogs and, and um, you know, can't even remember, I'm sure the Geelong, you know, it's 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 embarrassing. Yeah, you know, and and there's been no continual improvement. I think we need to strip it back and look at those different departments and I think it starts at the bottom. I think it, it does start at our recruitment. It does start at our development, how we're developing people. And I think that that's where modern football is at its most important now because if you can identify those talented players uh, with the later picks, well, then you've got the, the most opportunity to uh, to try and get those rough diamonds. And we don't do it. And as you pointed out uh, and someone else, the list management, I mean, we didn't put any tolls on our rookie list. Yeah. We had these question marks over yeah. Patty Ryder, And we didn't get any backup rookies. Like Ford posted today, even Boulderstone would have been good. Yeah. Yeah? But we've got none. Why wouldn't you have at least put one tall on the rookie list just in case? Mm. Yeah. Don't agree? Yeah, I do agree.
0: Yeah, I do agree.
1: Yeah. I'm Um,
0: angry, Macca. I'm angry. I I can tell, mate. I can tell. Uh, Moving on. Um, Papa Gallo has asked, uh, we've been using draft picks as our main currency over the past few years. Do you think we could benefit from doing more player-for-player trades? Would that help fast-track the improvement of uh, certain deficiencies?
1: So what do we want to do? Player-for-player trades? Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I think uh, I still think that our age matrix is out, with the, um, especially in our midfield. So... Uh, as I posted it up, I think we need... I don't, I don't know if it can happen, it might not be possible, but uh, I like the idea of pulling out like a broadbent and heartlet, which is uh, excess flankers and underperforming midfielders and trying to change them for midfielders of a similar age, uh, that we can get some uh, a better contribution and consistent contribution in our midfield because we seem to have that gap. Uh, between there, so uh, I don't know if trading everything for draft picks, which is one of Portia's questions, is the answer, do you? Uh,
0: Look, I've, you know, I've been, we've both been an advocate of trading a couple of players out uh, Mm. in the past, and maybe, you know, player player trades might work, I'm not sure it would fast track our deficiencies, because it would depend on the players coming in. Um, and how that would affect the, the rest of the playing group and maybe some different sort of training strategies that they can bring to the club, sort of like when Brad Ebert came to the club. Um, and, and a lot of players sort of saw how hard he trained and so they raised their game, all, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, look, I've got a question about uh, how many players we should be um, sort of looking at moving on a little bit later, so we might leave it for there. Okay. Um, Glitch has asked, do we reward the likes of Butcher and Mitchell for their efforts in the SANFL? Do we shuffle uh, the players such as Tumpus and Polek again? Or do we concede the season is over and play guys like Palmer and Frampton?
1: Has Butcher been that good in the SANFL?
0: He was really good on the weekend. Yeah. Was he? Did he kick yep. a few?
1: He did. Yeah? Well, then he should play. You know, if he performed, mm-hmm. he should play. Um, yep. And I guess unfortunately same goes for Kane Mitchell I mean I mean, I guess the question is why is no offense to Kane Mitchell but why is he still on the list you know that's probably the bigger question I'm sure that's the question that Porsche would ask yeah should he should he still even be on our list to be honest but um, I guess probably the Kane Mitchell days are over yeah. um, you know the great guy that he is and the great pub guy he is but I guess we need to get games into you know your Bonners, your your Palmers, your Archies, and just give them the biggest opportunity um, to succeed. And and if not, we might be able to uh, get some trade value with a, a player swap or something out of it if uh, if they've got at least a bit of bit of value. And they're yeah. not going to get that by playing a SANFL.
0: Yeah, I think guys like Mitchell have probably had their cards marked. I, I don't think we're going to see him. We might see Butcher in, in terms of injuries and. And what happens there, um, but other than that, I think giving guys like Palmer, Bonner, and uh, and Frampton a, a taste of it, and, and trying to get some more development into someone like Archie is definitely the way to go.
1: Yeah, um, I guess it depends on whether they think uh, you know some of these players are going to be with us like Butcher, what their plan is there. I guess that's that's the thing. But yeah, it's you know it's it's too late now, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean Butcher should have been in when Schultz hurt himself, and that's. That was one of the other questions yeah, I feel. Absolutely. I, I feel like we trained all season for this big three pronged forward line and injuries came about and so we scrapped our whole game plan instead of getting the next big player and going, Okay, well you have to replace him and play in the system and that was the whole point of having a reserves system, isn't it? Yeah. That we that we could you know, we could that yeah, and in you go. And we seem to Didn't be happen. very no. We feel we're so disjointed. Do we? Do we have a game plan? Mm. Do we have a game game plan? What's that game plan? Kick and hope. I think. Kick it long. a <laughs> hey, bit of long mm. ball. The
0: long ball. Nothing wrong with that.
1: Well, there is when they're playing a flooded zone and you forward fifty, yeah, and then you, and you kick it long to your tall forward and. You get six defenders that just collapse on him and he's got no chance of marking the ball and you've got no crummers there. Yeah.
0: Next question from T. Cray. Uh, Robbie Gray kicked 42 goals in 2014 playing as a midfielder who could push forward. Uh, This versatility was part of what made him such a damaging player. Um, So far this year he's only kicked 10 goals. Why is he spending so little time forward this year Um, even when struggling in the midfield as he did on Saturday?
1: We could also ask the question, why is Chad playing such limited time in the midfield?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good question as well.
1: Because that almost goes hand in hand, doesn't it?
0: It does. I think with Chad, it's probably more sort of body issues. I think there might be an issue with his concussions, uh, which m- might mean he's sort of, they're, they're trying to keep him away from sort of more high contact um, sort of midfield minutes. Um, or maybe sort of struggling with it, with a hamstring or something like that, I'm not too sure, but I mean, that that is a a real concern that someone who is so good in the midfield is spending literally zero minutes there. I mean, that, that's a concern in itself, but yeah. I think there's a couple of issues with Robbie Grain. I, I think the first one is that we are playing to a losing ruck every week, and given this, it means um, we, we need our best and most creative stoppage midfielders around the ball more often um, than we normally would, and I think the second issue is that our secondary midfielders have just not been in good form at all, meaning that we need to have the primary midfielders around the stoppages as much as possible. And although Robbie and Boak uh, didn't really have good games on the weekend, we saw what happened in the second quarter when we moved both of them to the forward line. We were absolutely spanked in the middle and and didn't get a, a forward fifty for uh, for the first ten minutes of the quarter. So you look at those sort of second um, tier guys coming through. You know, Sam Gray's gone from. Almost four clearances a game last year to 2.3 this year. Archie's been Mm. in and out of the team and managed just one clearance per game in his last three matches. You know, Polek's down a clearance per game on his 2014 output. Uh, Young, who we know is so good at the clearances, has obviously been playing up forward pretty much the whole time with great success. And Hartlett Wingard and Ebert are all 1.3 clearances down each on last year as well. I think it's really put a lot of pressure on on, um, on those senior guys like Robbie, Boken and, uh, and Ollie to have to spend more time around the stoppages, spend more time having their bodies smashed and none of those three have been able to get off the leash as much uh, this year because of it. And Maybe if we had someone like Sam Gray stepping up or, or Jimmy Toompa stepping up or Arch developing, then uh, we'd be able to throw Robbie back forward or Ollie forward more than we have so far
1: this year. What's well, amazing with um, Arch out of form, Gray out of form... Tupper's not stepping up, Pollock at an all-time low in form, um, Broadbent having no real midfield form at all, Hartlett having minim- minimal uh, midfield form. Our deep, what I thought was a deep midfield this year has become the most shallow that I can remember. Mm. And, uh, and I think obviously that puts a lot of reliance and pressure on Robbie Gray and probably unfair. I'd yeah, so I can only think that Chad Wingard, um, concussions, making a bit... But I guess at the end of the day, what's the difference between playing midfield or forward in relation to head knocks? If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he he needs to be one that is now starting to transition to becoming a, a full-time and premier midfielder. It'd be, I think it would be a waste of a player to have him isolated as a forward pocket for his whole career because he's uh, a lot he is a lot better than that. What do you think about Treaders saying on TV that we should trade Shills, Carlisle, Broadbent, Hartlett, Loeb, and Trengove to get some first round draft picks? I think there's only I think there's only one player there that would get a first round draft pick, and that'd be and that'd be Trengove, and that would be I think I think I think that would be crazy because he's probably the only player that's been bleeding Port Adelaide this year and throwing his name out to potentially trade him for a first round pick. Who did he want to trade? Schultz. Shills. For a first round pick? Carlisle. He's like 45 years old, for God's sake. <laughs> Carlisle, coming off a knee. Broadbent, Hartlett, Loeb, and Trangove to get some first round picks. Oh, Hartlett would get a first round pick. Loby probably not.
0: Um, I mean, you, you can't trade everyone, can you? Because then mm. then you end up sort of absolutely stuffed. But... Sack everybody! Sack everyone. Starting. That's
1: it. Three hands. Start in again. The air. <laughs> I spin it. Yeah, I don't know if she'll. I've, don't think Schiltz and Carlyle would get much on the trade table. No. Definitely.
0: No. No. Keep the
1: questions coming. What else we got? Uh, a good one from Porsche.
0: How many players in the current 22 would make the 2004 Premiership side?
1: Not many. I, I'd, I'd give uh, I'd give Trengo a shot in defence, not as a Rutman. Okay. Um, oh. You're going to ask me, expense for who? Don't ask me that question. And there's a bloody good side. Uh, Robbie Gray would probably be in there. Yep. Chad Wingard would be in there. Uh, and Ollie Wines, I reckon I'd have in there.
0: Okay. I've got four. And this is just speaking on current form, not looking at sort of historical form. But I'd say, at the moment, Pitard over Kingsley.
1: Oh, yeah, Pittard, yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd have Chad, Chad. How could
0: you forget Jasper? Rick.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Oh, How are you still suffering
0: oh, from jet lag or something?
1: No, no, I've moved on to a now. I, oh, okay. I don't... that's good. Jasper doesn't need me anymore. <laughs> uh, Chad Wingard over Josh Marnie. Yes. Uh, Robbie
0: Gray over Schofield. Yes. And Charlie Dixon over Thurston's. Yes. And I think on current form, Young's probably a little bit unlucky, but I just can't replace him for Jew. I think uh Jew is still uh probably yeah, still yeah. got it there. Can't and then, then guys like Boak, Wines and Brody I've got as emergencies. Who obviously with his history and historical form would get in, but um not at the moment. Yeah. Yeah I don't know about that.
1: Mm. Don't know about Broadie on the bench. I'd have Jacko on the bench. I
0: didn't say bench, I said emergencies.
1: Yeah, I'd have Jacko as an emergency over Brody. It'd be yeah, hard who, to Who would there.
0: he replace? Who would Trenggover replace replacing yeah, yeah,
1: the yeah. side? That's a good question. It would only really be. Um, Jack Corns was all Australian that year. Mm, Bishop, but Bishop, Bishop was the best third toll defender in the league. He was. Yeah, that's. I'd give him an emergency spot. I'd, I'd put him it's on a emergency. tight one. That one. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, CT
0: Power has asked, how many draft picks do we need in the next two drafts to refresh the list, as myself and Portia talked about last week?
1: It depends on how much of the list needs refreshing. I mean, look, we have been decimated by injuries. There's no there's no doubt about it. Um, and I know some people are saying, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you'd think... You'd think we need two or three first-round picks over the next couple of years, surely. Yeah. What what did you think?
0: Uh, I think if we missed the finals this year, I'd be looking at making six to eight changes to the senior list this year, um, and possibly next year as well. Mm. Um, I think adding another sort of 12 to 14 players would be a a good refresh. Um, Try and get as many sort of top 40 picks as we can. Um, And that would obviously mean trading out some players.
1: So are we going tall or are we going midfielders?
0: I think given our midfields issues at the moment, we still need to look at midfield. We need everything, to be honest. I mean, our tall stocks are absolutely dire at the moment. If we look at our key forwards, we've got Dixon, who's obviously good. He's 25. We've got Schultz, who's going to retire most likely. Westhoff is 29 and completely unreliable. Then we've got Howard, who's just done his knee, and that's it. And Butcher, who's probably going to be delisted. So, you can take two of them out straight away, and then suddenly our tall forward stocks look absolutely paper thin. But we need midfielders, because our midfielders our midfield's not delivering. We probably need another sort of, you know, some more pace on the wings. We, we, we need some small forwards. I mean, we need everything, so... Mm. I think it's one of those sort of things where you just need to get as many picks as possible, um, and try and get as much talent into the club as you can.
1: Do we need small forwards? We've got Jake Need, Aaron Young, Shane Wingard, yeah, well, Robbie Gray. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not
0: small forwards then, but we need just about everything else. So, Inpey.
1: we need a, we probably need a, another small defender. Mm. Because Crackers starting to get on. as well down. So, um, but uh, I, I agree with the forwards. I mean, it's a bit of a worry. I don't know what we're going to do there. We're going to have to... Um, we kind of probably have to try and find a, a rough diamond and convert them or something, aren't we? Cause, well, we uh,
0: probably need to pick at least two key forwards this draft. You know, you would think yeah. most likely with our first pick um, and then maybe run a little bit later on and, and hope for the best with uh, them, but... Well, you think we've made as we know I record with sort of late uh, key forwards, isn't all that crash hot? Looking at Mason Shaw and and uh, and Mitch Harvey in the last few years, so we um,
1: we almost need uh, at least six picks in this year's draft, really, don't we?
0: We do, yeah. We as I said, we need to make at least six changes to the senior list this year, yeah, and probably another sort of two to three to the rookie list as well. So,
1: and do we change the coaching list? Well, that's a that's another question, isn't it? We,
0: Last question. Last question is from one great club. Um, he wants to comment on Kane's article that our list management department have seriously stuffed up by giving out long contracts and that our players are not incentivised uh, anymore to play.
1: Yeah, we already spoke about that. It's a big issue. It is a big issue. Uh, they're comfortable. It's um, They look comfortable... And it's a shame because they're a good bunch of guys. But is this just free agency now? Is this
0: just the way that? I mean, it's not just us that have given out long contracts. I mean, it used to. It wasn't that long ago when three years was considered a long term contract. Now it's pretty much the bare minimum. You get three years, and you know clubs are are really looking at giving players sort of four, five, six. You know, and even you know Buddy got nine years uh, to get them out of the grips of free agency. So yeah, but Buddy, it's great for the players, but um, Buddy's a
1: freak of the player. Sure. I mean, if we, if we could have got Buddy Franklin for a nine-year deal, we would have taken it too. Um, but Hamish Hartlett ain't Buddy Franklin. Seems like the new standard is four years plus. I think we panicked. I think we feared losing too much with players. Because what happens is...
0: But we didn't need it, to,
1: because all the players have stuck around. Like What
0: players have yeah. we lost? You know, Ben Newton and Ben Jacobs, big deal.
1: Yeah, you know? and that's right. But, I mean, not only that, it's the fact that... Um, even if they do, some do go, and I hate to use them as an example, and I know you do too, but, I mean, the Crows have been good. Okay, they've lost players, but they've got stuff back. And, um, you know, and I guess it gives an opportunity to churn your list and allow a bit of regrowth. So if you lose players through the free trade um, to more money, well, then that's usually, that's a reflection on the player. I mean... Mm -hmm. Look at look at Hawthorne and their culture, and, and even Sydney to a lesser degree or the same degree. They, they 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 should have they should have lost players. Well Sydney had the salary capital announced, didn't they? But you know they should have lost players through their performance, but the players have stayed on an even I'm assuming an, a more even spread of money to keep the team together because the team is first and I guess we've just sort of been sucked into Wanting to retain and hold, fearing the loss, and so offered you know big contracts and bigger money to players when we we probably didn't need to. That's how I look at it. And so I, I think it's to
0: do with money. I think it's more sort of the the length of the contracts, which is a concern for me. I mean, Hartley could have gone for more money. Same with Robbie Gray. I mean, Loby as well. All these Trengove, all these guys could have gone for more money elsewhere. But Hamish is still what he got five five years at six hundred grand or something, didn't he? Oh, I'm, not, that, I'm not sure he got that much, but I
1: he, could that have, was, he, got
0: a, he could have got more and did get offered more elsewhere, so...
1: Yeah, well, I guess that's where maybe we need to be a little bit ruthless and allow some of those um, players to occasionally go, hmm. because then it gives us an opportunity to get picks in exchange and to churn our list. Yeah. I guess if we if I asked you the question... You could have taken two first round picks for Matt Loby you could have got a first round pick for Hamish Hartlett and um, yeah, who was the other player that was rumoured to have gone but didn't go. But just with those two, I bet you if you had that offer now you would take it, wouldn't you? I would have taken a first round pick for Lobie every day of the week. Yeah, that's right. So um, it's very interesting. Mm. It's interesting how we rectify it now is the million dollar question I can't I can't see how we can't churn a big name or two players you know some some starting 22 players have to get traded well it's looking like that it's looking like that's the way we need to go at the moment but well can you can the list stay status quo with the same first 22?
0: Probably not, and I sense from the uh, from the press conference after the game that uh, that Kenny's getting a little bit fed up with some of the senior guys. To
1: be honest, mm-hmm. Portia's listening. What do you think, Portia? Do um, does some need to go? Come on, Macca. I think, I think, I think you're being you a think. little. I think you're being a little bit soft here. I think you know, I want to. I want to hear a passionate. I've been junior. saying for three years that we should trade Hamish Hartlett. Yeah, no, we have been banging on about that one. And everyone we?
0: called me a madman on the forum.
1: Yeah, well, but I was at the man.
0: moment he's still the same player that he was three years ago. You know, one really looks absolutely fantastic. Look, I thought he played pretty well on the weekend, even though he had only twelve or thirteen touches. I thought um, his uh, his ability to damage with his disposals was was higher than what it usually is.
1: Yeah, but it's not good. Now. He's a mid twenty player. Possession-wise, surely. He should be getting yeah, 25 some... disposals a game. Oh, he should. He should be getting
0: 30 a game. He should be a Jack Zeeble, really. But instead, he's a bit more like Aaron Mullet at the moment. But
1: Dan- Daniel Rich? Hmm.
0: Well, that's probably a, a fair comparison, but... Mm. Anyway, let's get on with our review um, It was round 13 And not a happy time for Port Adelaide again <laughs> We're only an hour
1: into the show is, is this a
0: special know. 3 hour edition? This is a 4 hour um, marathon mate So uh, <laughs> get your slippers on Get a cup of tea We're going to be here a while I think And uh, look, we lost to Frio At Subi by 17 points 9 goals 15 to a 12 goals 14 Wingard kicked 3 goals in his 100th game Whilst uh, Justin Westhoff and uh, Jarman Impey kick two goals
1: each, um, what are your thoughts, mate? Well, as I said to you before, Craig, it's um, it's just rinse and repeat, isn't it, of what's just Groundhog Day? Uh, you know, we know it's so our team is now so predictable. The games that we should win, we don't, and um, and that's why I said that before we started the show really the games are relevant for tonight's review show because, um, yeah, um, and, uh, it's just a real disservice to Chad, who's been a great 100-game player for us already, probably one of the shining lights in Port Adelaide over the last 45 years. Um, you know, he could be potentially one of the best players to play for Port Adelaide, yeah. and, and we couldn't get up for Chad on his 100th game. Um, that's really disappointing, and I think probably the worst part is that we couldn't even kick a goal in the last quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I only just realised that when I was looking at the uh, at the score chart just before and thought, God, I'm sure we keep the goal in the last, but nope, no, nope, couldn't even do it. So that was mm. pretty disappointing. And look, as Tribe pointed out, um, since the Sydney game halfway through 2014 where Buddy ran rampant and we only lost by a couple of points, um, we're 24 on 25. So we really are a middle-of-the-road side in, in terms of our, our factual record, where it gets pretty frustrating. And, and for me like, really anger-inducing is that of those 25 losses, 12 of them have been by less than two goals. So 50% of our losses in that time have been really close affairs. And, look, as I said um, in the comments last week, some we arguably had no right to end up as close as we did, thinking of maybe the Walsh showdown, the Round 23 game against Frio in 2014, and, look, maybe even the prelim as well, where we piled on sort of three, four, five quick goals in the last 10 minutes to get within touching distance but even still it shows a great lack of killer instinct and and some of these games we just absolutely had to win and there's no excuses why we didn't thinking about the game against Essendon in 2014 against the Dogs last week against West Coast last year as three examples it's just so frustrating that we are almost there We're, we're so close to putting it together but we just don't
1: yeah and that's where I think that belief comes into it we we don't believe, and then once 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 it's um, game over and the pressure's off, that's when uh, that's when they actually uh, you know start to perform shackled free, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's that's the disappointing part. And I guess it's a great it's a shame that we're not journalists and we can ask Ken this question after the game because. Um, he keeps saying that he hates losing, doesn't he? He hates losing. He's a competitive beast. So Mm. then the question needs to be asked to Ken, well, why is it we've lost so many close games and it's acceptable over the last two years? Yeah. Look, Stockholm has written in and
0: and made one of the best comments I've read tonight, and that's, uh, we behave with the meekness of a club that feels lucky to be in the league when they should be making everyone regret ever letting us in.
1: That's right. Where's our
0: ruthlessness? We don't have any. We lack that killer instinct, which uh, which we which made us so successful in the S A. Yeah. It's just not there. It's not there anymore. And look, for one example, look at our goal kicking on the weekend. I mean, Robbie Gray running into an open goal and missing. Ollie Wine's running into an open goal and missing. Charlie Dixon missing two goals from twenty metres out, dead in front. Uh, Aaron Young missing a goal that he should have kicked. I mean, it's just not acceptable, and it's the same story every every time we lose these games. We always talk about the same thing: the lack of skills, the lack of tackling, and our shit ass goal kicking. Like at some point, the wheel's got to turn. We have got to make changes.
1: And does a does a forward, a specialist forward or midfielder, should they be held accountable? And I mean, dropped if they're. Uh, goal-kicking is unacceptable. As, sorry, did you say a midfielder or a forward? Both. A midfielder should be able to kick goals the same as a forward. Yeah, because well, midfiel- yeah. midfielder's precision with kicking is a key. So, you know, if a midfielder can't kick clutch goals at some stage, do they need to be penalised. Suffer. most likely
0: yeah most likely be made an example
1: who's the last person to be well, made an at, example at
0: some point we need to trade the players out that lack that killer instinct yeah. that's right that mental that have that
1: correct I agree we need to get because it's polish. not
0: on it's not on to every week we talk about this you know 9 goals 15 or 10 goals 18 you know it's just not acceptable. It's not good enough to run into an open goal and miss. <laughs> to be no. simple, when you're a senior player and you're on six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars 800000 a year, it shouldn't happen. Yeah. But it always does.
1: Do you do you have faith in uh, Broadbent's uh, set shot kicking for goal?
0: Broadbent? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. How many set
1: shots does he actually have? Yeah, he gets That's a not few. That many. Fra- fragile. Westhoff? Fragile. None at all. <laughs> None at all. When it None comes all. to that, it's, uh, yeah, a very distinct lack of... And look, players. Robbie Grazer,
0: an absolutely wonderful player with an amazing skill set, but he's the worst set-shot goal kick we've ever had as a football mm. club, just about.
1: So, who were your best players?
0: My best players? Uh... That's a tough question, <laughs> to be
1: honest. Mm. Well, I mean, how predictable was it? That, I mean, I called it with Porsche that Pavlich would probably come out and snag a few. You know? that, that, was a real,
0: that was a real shame. That was a real shame. Look, it was a learning experience for Logan Austin, and I thought he had a massive first half, Logan Austin. I thought he kept Pavlich to... I think Pavlich only had about four kicks, and I think he kicked one goal to half time. He was well on top of him. And yeah. then he made some... You know, schoolboy errors, some really sort of junior mistakes in terms of positioning or structure or tackling technique, um, which saw sort of Pavlich get on top. So he's going to learn from that. He's only young. He's only playing, what, his third game. He's going to learn from that. So I'm not too um, annoyed at how Austin played on the weekend because, you know, for a half, he was one of our best players. Um, he's the least
1: of our problems. He is the it's, least of our problems. The, yeah, he's the, our future. I mean, a,
0: a massive issue is um, obviously Michael Barlow getting 43 touches and two goals, and Lockie Neal getting 38 touches. I mean, that's, uh, that's obscene.
1: And Lockie Neal was sort of struggling for a little bit of form over the last few weeks, and didn't Barlow just come back from the reserves?
0: Yeah, Barlow spent two or three games in the reserves about a month ago. So he's yeah. come back. And look, he's... Yeah, you know, he's twenty eight. He's probably in the twilight of his career, and you know, he's played some decent footy this year in a in a different sort of role. They've been playing him up forward, but I mean, he just absolutely tore Robbie Gray to shreds. I mean, not only did he do a a wonderful tagging job on Robbie Gray, but then um, he was getting obscene amounts of the ball himself and kicked two goals. I mean, that's that's a career best performance by Michael Barlow.
1: Yeah disgraceful. I think Brad Eber put his um, Brad Eber put his hand up didn't he and said we weren't good enough.
0: Yeah look Brad Eber I thought offensively was really really good. I thought he took some really strong grabs um, was pretty decent around the ground but he was also tagging Lockie Neal as, um, as Ken pointed out um, or maybe not tagging but it was his opponent and Lockie Neal had an absolute field day out there as well so defensively Brad let the team down a little bit I think. Um, but he was also one of our better players in terms of what he was doing with the ball. So, well, I thought Cracker was our, was our best player. I thought he did a wonderful job on Walters, as I mentioned before. And you know, it's great to see him do that sort of role um, and and be successful in it. Um, you know, Pittard was very very solid. Um, and I'm struggling after that. You know, Chad Wingard three goals, good effort. Trengo tried really really hard in the ruck. Um, outside of that. I'm, I'm pretty much struggling, to be honest.
1: Yeah. We were we were crap. Mm. Well, West
0: Off, I mean Westhoff had one kick at half time. He kicked two miracle goals in the third quarter, but that was it. Jarman Impey had had his moments, kicked two goals again, so he's at least consistently getting on the scoreboard, which I really, really like. Uh, Jakey Need had a had a decent little game without getting on the scoreboard. He was he was thereabouts. Um Although I thought Paul Stewart was pretty decent down back as well.
1: Mm. Is he our future?
0: Paul, Paul Stewart? No, I don't think he is, but... Um, Camo O'Shea? Considering the uh, the decimation that we've got down back, you know, we, we probably don't have many options. Camo O'Shea? Camo O'Shea, I love Camo O'Shea. I'm not going to say a bad word about Camo O'Shea.
1: Really? No, look, I
0: mean, he's, he's probably one that should be on the trade block as well, to be honest, because... I mean, again, at the moment, I mean, you know, we could have got a first round pick for him and we chose mm. against it because at the time he'd just come off an absolute monster final series for the second year running and, you know, looked like being an absolute key player. But, you know, he's, uh, he's gone down the pedigree path at the moment. Mm. Darcy Burnt Jones probably had his first lower than average game, I guess, since he came into the side. So that was bound to happen.
1: Yeah, again, it's not really. Uh, he's not really one of our problems at this point in time. Hmm. I uh, yeah. Dougal, anyway, a, Looks like he's good, done his knee. That's a good review of the game. Thanks for thanks for that. I love it. No um, I'm spilling. I'm loving the Dougs. I love the, how crowds got into the Dougs and I think he's been showing a lot of promise. And uh, for a young kid, and you know, still growing into his body, uh, you know, he's a big boy and. That's devastating, and like you said, I mean, that could mean mean that he's out until 2018, um, yeah. which is crap, and uh, I feel for him. He'd be devastated, and I'm sure the players are devastated for him, but I guess he'll just need to grind it out and get back into rehab and come back bigger and stronger. Yeah, it's
0: it's heartbreaking for any player to do an ACL, but for a guy that's shown a lot of potential, he's only, what, 19 years old, Is his first year playing, I mean, it's it's just shattering. <laughs> and it just sums up our year that that would happen to that sort of player.
1: Yeah. It is. It's, I don't know. We've had a shit year. Mm. Let's face it. We've had a very bad year. Injuries. Suspensions. And, uh, well, there you go. There's another one, Tom Jonas. We might yeah. as well give him a clip too. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Well, Ryan,
0: yeah. Ryan thinks I've been too generous to a few players in the review and... Well, maybe that's
1: yeah. true. You, you don't like you don't like being the bad guy, Maka. You you like to be everyone's friend. We know that. That's why I'm we kind, love
0: you. I'm a kind soul. Rick. You are
1: Sorry, a kind soul. I'm you soul. you've got a heart like butter. You just need to uh, you just need to harden up, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Porsche has asked, um, "Hey, Maka, did we lose because we picked Amon instead of Polek? Like some have said? Uh, definitely not. Amon was uh, was pretty good, I thought. And uh, Tackled hard, put his body on the line a few times. You know, he was the least of our worries, I think.
1: So what about this rumour that a few of the players don't like Michael Voss? What do you think?
0: Oh, I mean, it's... If it's true. They certainly play like they don't like their midfield coach.
1: Hmm. So does Ken have to take over? Or is that is that is that a bit of a McDermott Jarman McGinnis issue from the early mid nineties with um, you know with the Crows when Blighter wagging in, the dog, yeah, and had to come in and go, well, screw you, bang bang bang, you are not bigger than the club, and out you go. Um, you know, is that something that's going on? Is that is that something that maybe Ken has to do?
0: Well, as we you yeah, as we saw earlier this year when. Um when Koshy called our performance disgraceful and apparently that that really annoyed some of the players and they even sort of mentioned it and brought it up and weren't too happy about it. Well, you know what? You're all on big money. You're all meant to be. You know, we were meant to be playing finals this year and pushing for top four and we're going to miss it for yet another season, yet another wasted year with this sort of talented list and, you know, maybe some of the players need to harden up a bit.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Maybe they don't like hearing the truth.
1: Amanda, you need to harden up too. You can train more. Don't don't message me saying that you, you're sore. Keep training. Mm. Train hard. You can train every day. Everyone needs to toughen up. We need to toughen up, Macca. Yes.
0: Uh, just quickly on the SANFL. <laughs> um, wasn't a great result for the Maggies either. Uh, going down to South Adelaide, 8 goals, 6 to 14 goals, 13. A 43-point margin. Uh, Johnny Butcher had a good day out, kicking three goals. Whilst Jay Schultz in his return, uh, kicked two goals. Rick, yep. did you see any of that game?
1: Uh, mm, Tell yeah. the truth. Y- yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I did, yes. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. Lots on no. it, yeah. No, it's, uh, when was it on?
0: It was on Saturday, it was on TV.
1: Yeah, I was, I was working, unfortunately. No, I was, I was into, I was interviewing future staff members. Mm. So uh, I couldn't. But I did read some of the review, and I heard, I heard a, someone told me that Butcher played what?
0: Butcher played a really good game. He uh, only managed the nine disposals, but he took five marks, kicked three goals, had a real purple patch uh, mid-game where he was taking some really strong contestant marks, and you know, his kicking was great, so you know, he had a good day out.
1: Mm. Should he be picked? Would you like Butcher in?
0: Uh, I would
1: like Butcher in. The well, way it, go. it's
0: going to be really interesting to see what we do here we're after the buy because obviously uh, Howard's going to be out. So we're going to have Trengove rucking by himself. Um, what do we do? We
1: does, Dixon,
0: does Dixon need to um, sort of provide a bit of a chop out in the ruck? Um, personally, I would like to see Schultz come in and I would like to see Butcher come in for Westhoff. I think Westhoff needs to spend some time in the SA NFL. Um mm-hmm. as a bit of a as a bit of a message. Um and I would like to see Schultzy and Butcher come back in.
1: Well oh, shit, the way we're going we might need bloody Butcher to ruck. Um We might,
0: we might need Kane Mitchell to ruck
1: at this point. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a worry. But um yeah, look I'd be happy for um I'd be happy for him to come in, to be honest. I, I think uh Give it a go, and at least it might increase his trade value. Come at the end of the year, uh, you know, someone like Richmond or Melbourne might get lured into, uh, you know, to thinking that they can convert him and, and get a higher output. And uh, yeah, I think I think you know, with our failed season as it is, you know, it can't hurt to. Uh, to reward uh, maybe Butcher a little bit and, and see what he can do in our forward line. And yep. God, I, I'm, just so, I'm so depressed by the lack of tall options <laughs> that we have at the moment. It well, is look, actually... Schulte
0: played well. Schultz played well. He took seven marks, kicked a couple of goals. So that's a good return for him coming yeah. off of, what, three months off. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: in terms of other tolls, I mean, Billy Franton was okay in the ruck. He had 25 hit-outs. Um, Bass probably got the better of him around the ground. He had a really good game, Daniel Bass. Uh, But outside of that, I mean, it's pretty slim pickings. I mean, Tom Cleary had a good battle with Eddie. Uh, Eddie kicked three, but kicked a couple late, I think. Other than that, I think uh, Cleary sort of held him pretty well after that. But uh, outside of that, I mean, Kay Mitchell was probably our best player again. uh, 34 touches, 9 tackles, 11 clearances. That's a a massive game. Uh, Brendan Archie... Found some form. He had 26 touches, a few clearances, uh, six marks, five tackles. So he played well. And Riley Bonner uh, looked like he would uh, hurt his ankle <coughs> sort of midway through the game, but he had a really good game as well. So um, get him in. Get him in. That's it. Maybe get yeah. Get as many flankers in as we can. To be honest.
1: Yeah, I want them all in. Get them all in. Get them all in. Jesse Palmer. But, get yeah. Get them all in. And let's see. Uh, let's see what we uh, what they can do. And like I think we and I just I think we just don't have a midfield, and we just you know lose the midfield like we do anyway, and mm. just load the defense with uh, sixteen players and and then have two leading targets behind them and and just run like mad the yep. uber flood and see what we can do but yeah that's it that's why that's why I'm not an AFL coach no <laughs>
0: no probably not <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I think that's it for tonight, mate. It's uh, probably not been a positive one, but uh, I feel cleansed.
1: Do you? Yeah. yeah. Now, how does everyone else feel? Yeah, probably <laughs> probably is there, is pretty a, down in the dust, I think. Have we, have we depressed everybody? Is there is there actually anyone still listening? I mean, we mean had our mate, comments tonight, mate. Our mate, Bomber Clifford, very quiet tonight. Usually he comes out with something quite clever about my direction, so mm. I've missed his uh, quick quick wit, but, um, yeah, look, I'm sorry, it had to be said. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's, um, you know, we can't just sugarcoat it, but, um, and in relation to, now it's the end of the show, in relation to Brexit, um, I, I think it's a good opportunity to people to hold on tight and wait for the market to drop, and that's when you buy. So what happens is too many people... Don't take advantage of the low markets because that's when they um, they get scared and uh, and so then what happens is uh, when the market turns and goes back up um, that's when they try and get in on the gravy train. So I think stuff like Brexit is actually a good opportunity for people to take advantage of markets when they drop low and uh, and that's when you invest your money and then and then you wait for the market to turn and come good again. So. Um, just shit! I can't believe some economists has come out and said that the Australian dollar could drop to forty cents in the dollar. That would be horrendous mm. <laughs> if that if that happens. I mean, our historical average is about seventy cents, and after my trip overseas, I really wish I loaded up on US dollars when it was a dollar ten. But um, oh, I won't make that mistake when it happens in another forty years' time. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so just watch the market. And uh if you can get your if you can get our share market under forty three hundred points, um I reckon that's good value and then you just you just wait for it to turn around. Unless you're a complete pessimist and you and you think that the market's gonna bottom out and, and the whole system is gonna collapse, well then then we're all up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah. Sage advice. Right? It well is done. That is You've done with well diversify always have a diversified portfolio i can't stress that enough and this is general advice and not specific to your individual circumstance and you should see a financial advisor if you want to get specific advice relation to you all, done. Done. all right hey, hey quickly before i go have you uh, have you checked out my my fantastic tax videos oh, i've seen a little bit yeah yeah, what do, you, what do you think of my, uh, my uh, talent? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I've, been waiting wa- for, I've been waiting for a few smart-ass comments from you, Matt. Mm. Or anybody. Actually, everyone's been quite quiet on that front. So, uh, I could take it. I've got thick skin. You've done well. Oh. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> well, this is the last podcast for uh, about a week. Uh, just like the players, we're going to have some time off and refresh. And we will be back next week.
1: Yes, looking forward to it. So what are we doing next week? If there's no next Monday, there's no game? Uh, probably next Thursday, I think. Okay, so, so we're, we're back we next Thursday. We'll preview the, the Richmond game. With sure. The, with the lovely Porsche. I know Porsche will, will be back, there. raring to go. Indeed. Awesome, Simone. All right, until then. Thank you, Thank you very much.
0: Carla Père. Here he is, like that. If it's not running, it's dispatching a quick handball, a reflex from the pack. Stephen Williams does equally well to Malachalas. Dodging and weaving, a little bit of shadow boxing, gets it away to West. This is where he hurts. He gets in front. He gets inside of 50. Has a look at the goals and finishes it off. He can play Robbie West. And at the third...